This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. I really have no idea where to begin. I am still soaring on cloud nine after that win on Monday Night Football against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, It was as big of a regular season win as I can remember in recent memory for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, There's been regular season wins that have clinched playoff spots, that have clinched divisions. Obviously, those just naturally mean more, but... Playoff wins. Regular season wins to get you to the playoffs is what I mean. but But my God, man, something special happened at Heinz Field on Monday night with Ben Roethlisberger, and it was a ton of fun. To be a part of not being at the stadium, obviously having to work the game here, but just to to see it all unfold on TV, mm-hmm. to work the game. It, I'll never forget that Steelers game. That is one of the best Steelers memories that I will ever have. And yeah, you're sitting here midway through the week and you desperately need the Jacksonville Jaguars to come through for you. If you want to have any chance at making the playoffs, of course, you have to take care of business yourself against the Ravens. But even though the odds are so long, I can't help but smile ear to ear still because of that send off for the greatest quarterback in this franchise's history. Tom, all week long leading up to that game, collective media members and fans were reminiscing on their favorite Ben Roethlisberger moments, whether it was in the playoffs or big moments overall or moments at Heinz Field specifically, we were all going down memory lane. I don't know if any one of us could have predicted. Yeah, the game wasn't pretty, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later, but I don't think anyone could have predicted the, the significance of the ending, how he came off that game, how the game not just unfolded, but what happened once the final whistle was blown. The swarm of media surrounding Ben, his final lap around Heinz Field, his family coming out to be on the field with him one last time, walking out the tunnel with his little kids in hand. None of us, I think, could have predicted that, and none of us could have predicted how it was going to feel actually watching it happen. We spent all week saying it's going to be tough knowing this is Ben's likely last time lacing up at Heinz Field, but... As much as you can mentally prepare for that moment, we were not ready. And I, I don't, yeah, I definitely wasn't ready. And for listening it. to Billy and Wolf and Max and Missy describe what it was like, specifically Max and Missy, who were on the sidelines with the team, watching their interactions with Ben and watching Ben's reaction to the crowd cheering his name, saying, Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Hearing them describe it, giving essentially a play-by-play of what unfolded after the 30 minutes following that final whistle because I'm pretty sure celebrations took place for another 30 or so minutes. It was great. It was really, really something that I don't I don't think a single Pittsburgh Steeler fan who was alive for it and could remember it will ever, ever forget. Big Ben obviously taking that half a lap around the stadium after the game, shaking hands with the fans, walking over to the bench, getting emotional on the bench. It was like out of a movie. You know, you you could tell he just didn't want to leave that field. He was feeling that moment and wanted to absorb it as much as possible. And I think Steelers Nation were sharing in that. They wanted to stay. You know, that's some, I think someone said it, it might have even been Ben. You know, that's a Monday night. It's 11 p.m. People have to work it's tomorrow. Cold. It's cold out. It's January. People have to work. 
And that stadium was still almost full by the time the game ended and Ben was making his farewell lap around the field. Dale Lawley made a point on the drive the other day saying how as media members, you kind of get in, you get your interviews, you get your hits, you start, you, you, you write your first couple of graphs of your of your article that you're going to write, and then you head out of there. So you can beat the traffic, you can get home and just finish your stuff once you get home and hopefully make it to bed as soon as you possibly can. But Dale made the point telling um, the listeners of The Drive that instead of going out the media exit, he kind of went out. He went. He went down that rotunda, right on the on yeah. the north uh, sh- north side of the stadium, where all the fans have to walk down because he wanted to be a part of that experience. He wanted to see the fans watching Ben, and he and he made the comment that not a single person was leaving the stadium, even though the game was over. He said the only people he saw leaving were a group of three, and they were all Cleveland fans. <laughs> but I guarantee you, I mean. He saw three people leaving. I guarantee you Cleveland fans stuck around, too. Just to make sure he is actually getting put into the ground, like f- just double-checking <laughs> that the boogeyman is finally going to sleep for forever. I mean, right. this guy. I mean, as as much as we are sad to see Ben go. They're throwing parades in Cleveland. Not only that, not, maybe, but I bet you a, a good majority of them or a good number of Cleveland Browns fans are also saying, I'm not going to believe it until I see it. Yeah, he might come back. He might pull a Brett Favre. Whereas we're saying, I'm not going to believe he's coming back until I see it. Which he won't. Which he won't, but they're in the opposite. I'm not going to believe he's retiring. I'm not ready to, yeah. It's Mason Rudolph or it's whoever it's going to be for the Pittsburgh Steelers next season. Yeah, no doubt about that. I don't think that they're, they're still probably holding their breath in Cleveland. It's. Amazing all week long, that narrative of how the Browns passed him up in that draft class and how Ben wanted to play for them. I mean, Ohio kid went to Miami of Ohio. I can save the Browns franchise. It was the stars were aligning and Cleveland did what Cleveland does and they messed up their draft. And Ben Roethlisberger, you know, he used that as motivation. Absolutely. He never forgot about them passing him up. And I think it's so poetic that in his final season, he swept them. Just his final home game. Beating the Browns, the as well. most promising Browns team he's ever faced, and I know he lost to them in the playoffs last year, but there but was so was a, much that promise. That was a surprise team. So much promise this year, and he sweeps right. them in his final season. The Browns last year were like the Bengals of this year, where yeah. you had some expectations that they could be good, but you didn't expect them to be a threat, and then. They came in and they beat the Steelers in the playoffs in Heinz Field. And that was their moment where right. they arrived. Now, like now, it's going to be the Bengals of next year. The Bengals are going to be having high expectations, just like the Browns, who had high expectations of this year. But I wanted to point out something I saw on Twitter. One of these big Steelers fans' accounts, I forget which one, uh, resurfaced an article, a, a, a fan-written article in, in whatever the Cleveland newspaper was at the time in 2004, right before the draft, saying, if the Browns want to win now, they must pass on Ben Roethlisberger. He is not the winner that he claims to be. And how about that for irony? He's not the winner he claims to be. If they want to win now, they can't go. They can't bet on Ben Roethlisberger. I guarantee, I don't know if Ben ever saw that article. I doubt he did because it was, again, like a, uh, it was a fan written piece. But how about that? If the Browns want to win now, <laughs> you can't go with Big Ben. And he just, 
shoved it up their butts ever since. Finished then. with what? Including was it twenty-five the, and three against them in his career. Is that including the the postseason? I'm not sure about that. I know that that loss in the wild card game is the only time he's lost at Heinz Field right. to the Cleveland Browns. Right. Well, it's it's also nice too to say that in the regular season, never lost them at Heinz Field. Yeah, and that remained the case. With I don't that know. Big win on Brady, Monday. I don't know if Brady can say the same with the the Jets and the and the Dolphins and the Bills. I guarantee you there were a couple of years where, they got there where he lost in Foxborough. Where they got him in Foxborough. Yeah. I bet there was. Maybe one or two sprinkled in there. Yeah, Ben's run against the Browns. Ben's run is uh, in general was just a phenomenal run. Hall of Fame type of career. Uh, I mean, 18 years. Think about that. 18. I made this comment to my friend who asked me. I was in third grade when he was drafted. I made this comment to my friend who asked me about it, what my opinions were, because he was able to be there and he wanted to know what I was thinking watching and working the game last. And I said... This kid has been my best friend since first grade. Other than family and friends who you consider family, right? We all have those those groups of family that we can, or those groups of friends that are closer than friends. Right. Their parents are friends and the right. kids are friends, right? Other than that, I said to my friend, I said, I don't know, other than you, another person who's been a part of my life. For 18 years and a significant part of my life, like Ben Roethlisberger. It's been family. And everything is close to family. My best friend since first grade and Ben Roethlisberger have been the only people in my in my life to stick around for 18 years and be actual a significant part for the entire 18 plus years. Think about that, Tom. You were in third grade. I was in second grade. Or, I, or you were in third grade. I was in no I was fourth in, grade. I was then. I was in fourth grade when he got drafted. 2004. Yeah. So you were in fifth so th- grade. okay. Yeah. I was in fourth grade. I was still in elementary school. Yeah, man. I mean, I was just starting to figure out, like, I love football. Like, I was just, like, I I obviously watched football all growing up, but, like, you don't really start to care about it until you can really start to care about it. I mean, Until your brain actually knows what's going on. Tell me, 18, a person you have had a relationship with 18 years other than family. There's not many. A couple friends. Right. But that's really it. And Ben Roethlisberger. And Ben Roethlisberger. And big Ben Roethlisberger. That's how you measure it. That's how significant he has been to the city. Yeah, and I think that was shown because I can't remember the last time Heinz Field was like that. And we said before, you know, oh, the Browns went in wild card weekend and they beat the Steelers. But there were no fans in the crowd. It was Mm -hmm. really easy for Baker to kind of settle into that first playoff game atmosphere because it wasn't. Last night was what it would have been like. Maybe not even to that extent of. I don't of, think it, I don't know if you'll see night, a home crowd night. act that way ever again in Heinz Field. Like I don't think you will. AFC Championship game was against the Ravens insanity. I'm I mean, sure the place was absolutely shaking. There? No, but okay. like through the TV, through either. people that have yes. been there, said so the place was oh, I'm shaking. Sure. I'm sure. Um, the only sporting event I can think of in Pittsburgh recent the memory wild card game. is the wild card game. Yeah, yeah. That game last night. I can't remember. It might have been the AFC Championship game against the Ravens where Heinz Field was rocking It was the last like time. And you had to go back to the Ravens game, not even the Jets AFC Championship game because you're playing the Jets. Yeah, it's the Jets. I mean, And then you played Baltimore the round before, but that's to get to the game against the Jets. You're playing for a chance to get to the Super Bowl against the Ravens. The earth shook when Paul Amalu picked off Flacco yes. and took it to the house. And the, 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 the earth shook again play, when Ben Roethlisberger ran out of the tunnel. The play-by-play call of Jim by Jim Nance when Palomalo picked it off, he had to wait for the crowd to stop. The pop to stop, like yeah. The, like the initial pop to say, and Palomalo picks it off. Yeah, and 
that's the kind of atmosphere that Ben was able to bring out of Steelers Nation on Monday night at Heinz Field, and that's kind of just illustrating what you're saying there about how mm-hmm. he has been the closest part of a lot of these people's lives for the better part of two decades now. And it's really, really surreal that it's over and that you sit here now and you've got one more chance to see seven suit up in a Steelers jersey. So make sure you drive down to M&T Bank Stadium if you're so inclined to, buy a ticket, see him on the road. Definitely get in front of a TV 1 p.m. on Sunday because Absolutely. this is the last ride. And I really think – I mean, there's so much that's poetic about sports. I mean, what Moneyball, what is it? How can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah. It's like, could it be more perfect to end on a Monday night game in front of the nation at Heinz Field against the team that you've been daddy to for your entire career and then your swan song – is on the road against your most bitter rival in your playing career. And it may not be a win-and-in type of situation, but if you hand the Baltimore Ravens a loss, they're still technically alive as well, Tom. So if you can hand them a loss, you knock out the, you knock out the Ravens. Yes, there would be other circumstances that would also kick out the Ravens, such as, I believe, a Colts win or a Chargers win. Or maybe even a Broncos win against the Chiefs, something weird like that. Yeah. But you handled business. That is as definitive of a sentence, of a death sentence as you can give the Baltimore Ravens. You beat the Ravens, they are out. They're out of the playoffs, and you still have that flicker of hope. Uh, obviously, sure. it relies on the Jacksonville you, Jaguars. You both have a, as slim of chance as possible. But I don't think that. It, it it would matter. I think Ben's not looking. Ben's always looking to that to the moment, the game. And yeah, he he wants to keep his eyes on the playoffs, but he's focused on winning this game. And I can guarantee you, Ben knows that if I can beat the Ravens, that can kick them out of the playoffs. I gotta do that. Yeah, how, how great would that be? It'd be great. And it's just you know just a matter of. I beat my two biggest rivals on yes. my way out the door. Not only that, and we don't talk beat, about we don't talk about what happened to the Bengals this no. year. I, the who? The what? I don't the know. what? I don't, who day? Uh, not only that, to go back to back wins to end the season against Cleveland and Baltimore, but you would sweep them as well. I know. I don't that's think that's crazy. being talked about enough. I don't know if I'm so much is lost for a good for good reasons. What happened in that game on Monday night? The one thing I'm surprised more people aren't harping on is the fact that the Steelers swept the Browns this year. Yeah, I think that's because of Ben's last game. It's just like kind of like I no, oh, and I said right. for good reason. Right, right, I said right. for good reason. But how I mean, the Browns were crowning themselves AFC champions, Super Bowl champions in the offseason, in training camp, in OTAs, in in May, in and the, June. And the Steelers, a lot of people picked the Bengals to finish in last and the Steelers third, but the Steelers were a sexy pick to be like, oh, maybe, maybe the Bengals they, are in third right, and the Steelers, maybe the Steelers finish in last finish place in last. this year. Well, guess who's in the basement again for another year? And guess who's likely to finish in second? The Pittsburgh Steelers. Maybe it won't equate to a uh, playoff appearance, but it sure as hell ain't last. Cleveland, looking at you. They swept the Browns. I did not. They're already in front of the Browns too. There's oh, the, Browns the Browns can't catch them. The Browns them. are yeah. gone. Yeah, the Browns I think are locked in for last seven place, and nine. Actually. So yeah, the, 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 maybe not. If the Browns beat it the would Ravens, come down to tiebreakers. I don't know who what cares that would about tiebreakers to. for the doesn't last matter. Two spots. The yeah. Steelers are ahead. Exactly. So plus, I don't think the Browns 
are necessarily a lock to get to 8-9 and nine and beat the Bengals next week. No, I don't think so either. I think Although the, the Bengals I, have something to play are they, for. They're three or four seed, right? They're right. There, there, isn't, there isn't like a lock as to who. I don't think in any other than the, 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 Packers. the Packers and the NFC with the number one seed, I think every other playoff spot is up for grabs. I think you're right. It's still is up, up, for, up for shuffle at yes. least. Yes. So, mate, but uh, I'd think long and hard if I'm Zach Taylor, though. How much is a three seed worth more than a four seed, or should Joe Burrow get a week off? And how about the fact that at the end of that game— He got hurt. At the goal line, he got hurt. So maybe it's time to just—we can take the four seed or the three seed. Mm -hmm. Either way, it's a home playoff game. So uh, I don't know what they'll do. But, yeah, it's not a guarantee that the Browns get to eight and nine either. I don't—even if it's not Joe Burrow out there, I I have no idea who the backup is in Cincinnati— with Baker Mayfield out, and I'm gonna guess that Nick Chubb isn't gonna have a career day. Miles Garrett, I wouldn't gonna... play. I wouldn't play Garrett. I wouldn't play Chubb. What's the point? There is no point. Garrett's been hurt all like the past two months with his groin. There's no point. I'd shut the him Bengals down. The Bengals at least have something a little bit to play there's, for. There's a thought that you play for. Yeah. Would you risk hurting Joe Burrow? I wouldn't. Pro- probably not. And then I still, the... I still think a Joe Burrow less Bengals team against this really bad Browns team can win, especially if it's. Oh, it's in Cleveland, though. Yeah, it is in Cleveland. But I, I, don't I, know would, that would, I would shut down a lot of people if I were the Browns, yeah. too. Just the stars don't need to play. You don't need to risk further injuring Miles Garrett's groin. I just love the fact that as soon as the game was over on Monday night, Baker finally, 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 after weeks of denying that he needs it. I, I, I'm getting I, surgery. I'm going to need some surgery. I don't think I was really playing at 100%. I don't, I don't think I was playing at my full capability. Come on, Baker. Like you're gonna wait until this, you're you're eliminated from the playoffs. You get swept by the Steelers, your big brother, the team that you guys thought that you would kick ass against this year. You thought you were gonna sweep the Pittsburgh Steelers until after that game. You were supposed to sweep the Pittsburgh right. Steelers. Right? Oh, let's absolutely. Be honest. Yeah. And now you're gonna say, "Oh, yeah, my my shoulder, man. I I just can't go on." Yeah, and I I I get it though because he definitely was playing injured. And let's take this moment still as we talk about Big Ben's great win to make fun of how poor the Browns did this year. I mean, let's be honest, Tom. If this was just another season, and the Steelers say Big Ben was coming back one more year, you don't see that crowd. I that's that's got to be one of the worst games to go to on a Monday night. It's cold. It's late, and it's, it's just a, it's just a bad game. Right, I, it, there was not a lot of offense. The defense really won you the game. If you're if you're Pittsburgh, I I I, I love that the Steelers finally scored in the first half, scored a touchdown in the first half to end that streak uh, that hadn't been broken since 1940 about not scoring touchdowns in the first half in consecutive games. But really, you kind of saw a, a dud of a game, right? A, yep. a lot of Boswell action. Other than that Najee touchdown, it's a pretty close game, but it's nothing too exciting. Browns are two and six away from Cleveland this year. That's abysmal. Can't win away from their home stadium. Uh, I look at their season and I try to pinpoint why it's been such a disappointment for them. And obviously Baker Mayfield keeps coming up. I keep turning the top card over on the deck and Baker Mayfield keeps showing up every time because the roster is just so talented. Yeah, the defense is a lot of new parts, and I think that early on they struggled communication-wise. And they're starting to get better and better and better. And then Garrett got hurt towards the end of the season. He's playing injured. He hasn't been as effective. But it's still a pretty solid defense. They got a lot of good pieces there. They got two really good running backs, although Kareem Hunt was really a non-factor this year because of a lot of injuries. Sure. Um, so and he yeah, wasn't even playing uh, this week. It always looks to Baker 
but I'm not 100% sure I'm willing to throw all of the blame on Baker Mayfield for this season. I, I think Kevin Stefanski, the defending coach of the year, deserves his fair share of the blame because how many times are you going to just tell Baker to throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, and when Baker fails, you're just going to sit and say, well, Baker just can't do it. Well, why do you keep calling his number mm-hmm. then? Nick Chubb only had 12 carries against the Steelers. He was averaging 4.8 yards per and carry. In the, the first half, Tom, he had had four carries alone, but he was averaging eight yards per carry in the first half. It's not just the Steelers game. You look back at the Packers game on Christmas. Nick Chubb was running wild, brother, mm-hmm. all over the Packers, and then they went away from him. And then they it was too late, and they did come back in the game later and, and make it close, but... I don't know, man. Stefanski, I think, deserves a really, really, really good amount of blame. I think if Baker Mayfield is the actual number one overall pick, he obviously makes enough plays. They're not 7-9. and nine. Maybe they're, I don't know, 10-6 and six right now, looking to get into the playoffs and looking pretty good to get into the playoffs. But when you realize that Baker's not that dude, I would expect a coach-of-the-year caliber coach to adjust his game plans accordingly and start hiding number six, rolling out the pocket. Although that was limited this year because of his injury. It was harder for him to throw on the run and to mm-hmm. do things on the move. But moving the pocket away from pass rushers like T.J. Watt, running the ball a ton, I mean an absurd amount, to the point where you're almost Baltimore Ravens-esque, where people are like, wow, the Browns are a completely different offense from most of the other offenses in the NFL. They run the ball 70% of the time. I don't understand why he didn't just commit to the Nick Chubb run game. You have a thoroughbred. Why are you locking him in the stable and letting Baker Mayfield be the focal point of your offense? That's, That's where I really come down with this season is, yeah, Baker's bad, sure, but Stefanski's got to get a lot of blame too for still calling Baker's number as much as he did. So here's my question, Tom. Because I completely agree with you. I think equally to blame should be Kevin Stefanski and Baker Mayfield for different reasons, of course, because one's a coach and one's a player. But do we think now, in hindsight, we gave Stefanski a little too much credit last year for the talented team he had? Let's not forget, people in the offseason, people were saying the Browns have probably top to bottom the most talented roster across all 22 guys. Do you think maybe, just maybe, we were giving Stefanski a little too much credit for the guys he had on his team, and those wins, those 12 wins, came as a result more so of the guys on the field rather than how Stefanski was operating his his team? But they were doing so many different things last year. Like, Baker was throwing on the run and moving around and, and rolling the pocket out, and he was hitting play-action deep passes. And, yeah, he was healthier, so he was playing better. But they were running the ball a lot more with Chubb last year and committing to that a lot more. And I get what you're saying where the roster is really talented, but it's pretty much just as talented this year. Baker had a big drop-off from last year to this year. You lost Kareem Hunt basically for the entire season because of his injury problems. Odell blew himself up out of Cleveland, so you lose him. Although he was really not that big of a factor last. He wasn't was a big factor, but he was least, hurt last year too. He was more. He, he contributed more when he was healthy, right? So I, I don't know if I can say, oh, it was just a construct of the roster. I think he coached a lot better last year, and I think Baker played a lot better. I think both Baker and Stefanski regressed mightily. Yes. Which is very, very concerning if I'm a Cleveland fan. Because not only are you having question marks this offseason of, 
do you pay this guy? Do you pay Baker Mayfield? Is he someone that you want to bring back, or is it time to cut bait and move on? I would also probably start thinking, is Stefanski really the right guy? Yeah, brilliant scheme. I mean, 12 wins as a Cleveland Browns head coach, playoff win, coach of the year. Mm -hmm. Never seen that. Never seen that since the Browns have come back Mm -hmm. to Cleveland as an expansion franchise. But how great is your scheme if you're not willing to adjust it based on how your players are playing during that season and the personnel you have around you? I think in this in this era of the NFL, we've seen NFL teams move on from quarterbacks, move on from coaches way too soon. And not only have we seen that across the NFL, let's not forget before Stefanski arrived, before Baker Mayfield arrived, the Browns were as guilty as anyone else of doing so, for doing so, for moving on. Now, they had a reason to do it. Because they were the laughing stock of the NFL. They were the losingest franchise since, I believe, 2000, since the turn of the millennium. So they, they had justification as to why they made so many changes. But I wouldn't be shocked, Tom, if the Browns look at themselves in the front office, they look at themselves in the mirror and say, hey, man, if this isn't it, we got to figure out what is. And not that they're going to tank, but... Can't tank. Too much talent to tank. No, they're not going to tank, but... Maybe they make a coaching change. Maybe they don't pay Baker Mayfield. They let him go, and they try to bring in someone else. But it wouldn't – I mean, you are one year removed now. I guess moving forward, you'll be two years removed from your coach winning coach of the year. 12 wins. And it wouldn't shock me if 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 they have another lackluster season next year, if Baker regresses again. If maybe Stefanski regresses in his coaching ability again, and I'll point, I'll go one further, Tom. I would say about week ten, maybe week eleven, it was a three-man race for defensive player of the year. It was T.J. Watt, it was Micah Parsons, and it was Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett not only has regressed out of that running, he's fallen back in terms of his productivity. I mean, yeah, he's fallen back out of that race because of his complete lack of productivity. Dale Lawley made the point on the drive the other day saying, the Steelers put Dan Moore up against Miles Garrett, and Miles Garrett didn't get a single sack on Ben Roethlisberger. You really didn't hear Miles Garrett's name mentioned at all during that game. The Browns did the same thing with T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt got four sacks. T.J. Watt put on maybe the biggest hit he's laid out all year on his fourth sack on Baker Mayfield when it was completely from the blind side, just one of those textbook encyclopedia definitions of a sack where the linebacker just comes out of nowhere, bear hugs the guy, and knocks him to the ground. It was one of the hardest hits I have seen all year by T.J. Watt. But you have the same you have the same scenario, right? You have your edge rusher going up against a rookie tackle. One guy has four sacks. The other guy has zero. And I think that's the difference. I don't think it's like absurd of me to say Miles Garrett regressed after a couple of weeks into the season. Yeah, he was great for the first 10 or 10 or 11 weeks, but the last couple of weeks his productivity has fallen off a cliff. So it would not shock me because of those reasons if the Browns again, not to blow it up, but they say Maybe we got to make a coaching change, and maybe we got to make a quarterback change, and they move on from the Baker and Stefanski era. 
I think it's possible. I think it should be done that they move on from the Baker era. Well, the Baker thing is a little different. The Baker we all think is probably best to part ways with. But Stefanski, it wouldn't shock me either. I think Baker, he might have played his last game at Heinz Field as a Cleveland Brown as well on Monday night. Maybe one more year. This should be the team that goes out and tries to get a Rodgers or a Wilson. I'll say that. They have all the pieces. How, how crazy that, would it be if it were— They should. They should if go it, If it were Rodgers or Wilson to Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Oh, that'd be awesome. That'd now, be that's an off-season storyline that but I here's the problem, could get behind. Is if whichever guy goes first, say it's Rodgers to Cleveland or Pittsburgh or Russell to Pittsburgh or Cleveland, does the other guy say, I can't play in that division? With Joe Burrow, Aaron Rodgers, or Russell Wilson, and Lamar Jackson, I would be an idiot to go and play in that division. <laughs> Especially Joe Burrow. That guy scares the hell out of mm-hmm. me. That'll do it for this episode of the Steelers Standard. Obviously, a lot more to get to when it comes to Big Ben's finale, so keep an eye out for some of our other episodes. For Jacob Recht, I am Tom Offerman. As always, we appreciate you guys giving us a listen, and we'll talk to you next time.